is Alicia Christian, and welcome to the Eating Me Podcast. Hey, y'all, it's Alicia, and welcome back to the Eating Me Podcast. Happy MLK Day, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I remember celebrating this day as a child. Um, you know, when I was younger, I'm sounding like an old, you know, fogey here, but here we are. But, you know, in my day, uh, this day was actually not a day that you got off of school or work or anything like that. And even some people now still don't get this day off, which that's a whole other story. Um, But nevertheless, when I was growing up, we didn't get this day off. And so our parents, for those that did celebrate this day, they would have to take us out. And we would have to just accept the absence of the day with our school attendance. Um, But it was really special growing up because I remember going to New Hope Missionary Baptist Church in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, That church and other people that were affiliated in that church, Dr. Ira Neal, Ira T. Neal, um, um, uh, Reverend R. Brown, W.R. Brown, seeing his name wrong, Reverend W.R. Brown, who was actually senior, who was actually the um, pastor at that church, um, they can, they actually put together a lot of programming for the young black children in Evansville. And um, it was such a special time, like thinking about it now, because as a child, you don't think of these opportunities as something that will shape you going, you know, going forward in your life. But I just remember them putting together programming where we would talk about um, the injustices that we saw in our communities. We would learn about just different things that we probably wouldn't actually have the opportunity to learn about in our school systems. Uh, You know, the civil rights movement, you know, the origins of slavery, why it happened, you know, uh, and then even educating us on the current events at that time of what was going on with Black people in America, even things that were happening in Evansville, uh, and how we as kids, um, how that affects us, or how, how it was affecting us at the time. And I remember even watching a documentary, and if you haven't seen it, uh, it's called Eyes on the Prize. It's an older documentary, um, and it kind of takes you through the uh, just the plight of the black American in, in, you know, the United States and what it has looked like for black people in this country. Um, and to show the amount, like the gross amount of segregation and how it continues uh, on here in the United States of America, uh, the face changes, right? There's different ways of implementing that segregation and, and that um, discrimination, um, but it's still there. And being one of those kids in those spaces, it has allowed me to have a voice and to have an opinion that's that's based around factual information, uh, that's based around merit that can't be, um, in my opinion, taken from me um, 
because I had such a strong foundation growing up um, with those black uh, leaders in my community that wanted to ensure that we were educated, that we knew, you know, where we came from, where we could go, um, and what our responsibility was to the black community, not only in Evansville, Indiana, but across the world. Um, and knowing that that was my foundation, that I had such a strong foundation um, through the black church, in my home, um, and within my community, it has led me to where I am today. Uh, starting this podcast, I wanted to really focus on learning about my eating struggles. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that's kind of where I've been going with this particular um, podcast. But as I move through life, I realize my eating, and you, you know, I've shared this for those who have been listening to the podcast, and if you're new, welcome. Um, but as I continue to go on this journey of learning myself, I realize, I've realized that the traumatic events of my life, the generational traumatic events of my family and the people around me and my community all weigh on me. And that is something that has led to me attempting to cope. And the coping was not taught to me in a way of um, it being like a productive coping mechanism, but it was the coping mechanism that I had and I can't take away from that that my that I was doing the best that I could at the time, right? I am in a space of grace, of knowing that my coping mechanisms were what they were and are what they are. And I continue to get better at that thing um, but all that to say, all of that trauma, all of that hurt, all of that um, sense of just feeling not worthy, not good enough to be in certain spaces and places because I'm a black person, because I'm overweight, because of whatever, a lot of it did contribute to the fact that I was a black person, hands down. Um, growing up in Southern Indiana wasn't easy being a black person. Um, and I, I mean, I grew up in the what eighties, nineties. Um, so it was, you know, obviously a bit better than people before me, but still for me, it was hard. Um, and it, it doesn't get any easier. Like I said, the, the, the faces of discrimination and the faces of of just evilness and toxicity, um, people have become a bit more clever with how they present it. So it can it can seem um, that things aren't still the way that they uh, were in the past, but it's still there. That discrimination, that hate, that toxicity, that sense of trying to create a hierarchy of you know, some people are better than others by way of skin color, by way of whatever, um, wealth, um, it's still there. 
and we see it plain as day. And if you're not um, aware of this, I want you to really start paying attention to what you see around you and expose yourself to things outside of your norm, right? Because what we are constantly um, allowing ourselves to see and think and feel, it might be just what we're used to and what we're comfortable with, but sometimes it requires, requires us to step outside of our comfort zone and look beyond our current reality and see that other realities are there and other people are experiencing things that are pretty terrible, right? And that day... MLK Day every year for me was not just the day just to recognize all the tragedy that black people were going through um, and what, you know, my ancestors had gone through. But it was also an opportunity for me to talk to other black kids in the community that I didn't get a chance to talk to. Um, The school that I went to was predominantly white. Um... I was in the arts programs uh, at the school that I attended. I was heavily involved in the arts, theater, music. So that was my world. And I, I rarely had the opportunity to see beyond um, those spaces. Those spaces were happy. Those spaces were fun. Those, spa- those spaces were expansive and the abundance was unreal. Like the opportunities were just never ending, right? So that was my world. And even at home, my world was a bit more complex. I mean, there was there was a sense of like happiness and joy and, you know, whatever. But I mean, still, you know, and nothing's perfect. But my particular life did not reflect all of Black life, right, in, in Evansville, And so it gave me the opportunity to see what other people were experiencing beyond what I experienced because my upbringing was completely different than others and vice versa. And so it gave us all an idea of what was out there and what can be a reality for others. Because if I'm living like this, you could live like this, right? Or if you're seeing someone else's life and even flip it, you know, like, Seeing someone else's life is like, oh, that's too bad. Maybe, you know, I could see the value in how they're living as well, right? So there was just different perspectives. There was different opportunities. Not to say that someone's life is better than the other, you know, you know what I'm saying. It gave all of us an opportunity to just be at one place and experience each other with the collective mindset of expansion, with the collective mindset of attempting to go beyond what the norm of America would want to, or where, where America would possibly expect, right, a Black child to go. Us coming together and being one and figuring out ways to progress beyond our current circumstance because there's always room to grow. There's always ways to be better. There's always ways to just go above and beyond, you know, and whatever your calling is. Uh, so those spaces were so important for that. And 
as I celebrate today, MLK, and, you know, learning and growing um, and, you know, trying to get an idea around who this man was, this complex man was, I wanted to learn more about his stance on what we're seeing now in terms of the conflicts that are happening uh, in Israel and in Palestine. And it was very interesting to learn uh, information as it related to uh, this particular topic, because for me, I have always um, seen and heard the traditional quotes that we hear of uh, MLK. I have a dream, you know, uh, you know, was it injustice um, for anyone is injustice for everyone. And I'm completely paraphrasing, but like there were different quotes that were kind of like pushed to the forefront that were King's um, main digestible quotes, right? But if you look into the um, things that aren't so popular, there's a really um, interesting article uh, written by uh, David Palumba Liu, and I could be completely mispronouncing this person's name, or Liu, David Palumba Liu, maybe. Um, and it's, it's entitled, What MLK Actually Thought About Israel and Palestine. And this article was so amazing to read because it gave you an idea of the evolution of his thoughts and feelings around Israel, around the what people then called the Arab world. And, and people still say that too now. But, um, but anyway, it really um, sheds light on what a lot of us might have thought as it related to MLK having a stance on something that's still happening. Like these things were obviously happening when he was alive. Um, but the idea of painting this whole picture of him being on the side and just like this avid supporter of Israel, it's not true. And I know a lot of us have seen this happening in the mainstream media where people, and even beyond the is the Israeli um, topics that we're seeing and, and uh, situations that were um, that are taking place now, people are using his uh, slogans and his quotes and saying that he would be on that side based off something he said as it relates to Israel. Um, a lot of it is me being abused and used in ways to promote. Um, propaganda that is to benefit uh, the state of Israel as opposed to what he really meant in certain situations and his evolution of his thoughts, right? Um, because like with anyone, right, we might think something at one point because of what we um, were initially presented, but as things continue to unfold, you're like, mm, okay, no, this is what's really going on. And yes, I, this is where I now, where I stand, right? Um, and so this particular article, like I said, it's entitled, What MLK Actually Thought About Israel and Palestine. And it was really uh, interesting to see, I, I love the fact that at the beginning of this article, uh, the uh, writer discusses um, 
what we have, um, what we are seeing, and actually he talks about this throughout the actual article, but what we're currently seeing in terms of, like I said, the misuse of King's words um, and what he was actually saying um, at the time. Uh, It was interesting at the beginning of the article, that's where I was going with this, there have been several people that have used what they say were, uh, were, was a message that King sent to someone who was consent- considered anti-Zionist, um, saying, basically telling them that basically what they are doing is wrong and it's, it's something that's against uh, Jewish people. And uh, you basically they shouldn't you know, have this stance because it's wrong and it's anti-Semitic. And what has been discovered is that this particular um, this particular actual message is was never even um, something that King shared with anyone. Uh, there's nothing showing factually that this was even him saying this to anyone, and it's interesting how that you know document or whatever, like this fabrication rather, is allowing people to think that this is what he was thinking. And the article continues to go through and show where he stood uh, with the Israeli um, occupation and the idea around what um, is current, well, not currently, but what was happening at his, at his particular time. Um, I'm trying to look and see. There was an actual quote here, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, give me one second, guys. And I just had it here too, which is so wild. Um, you know, it's in another article, and there's another article I want to share with you guys. That's what it is. There's an, another article. It's written by <clears throat> um, Garrison Hayes. And he also talks about King's stance as it relates to uh, this as well. And this is what um, Dr. King said in a ABC ABC um, TV show that he was interviewed on. It was it was called Sundays. Issues and Answers, or ABC's Sunday's Issues and Answers was the name of the show, rather. Um, what he said was, this is his, this is um, the quote that was taken from this particular um, interview. It says, I think for the ultimate peace and security of the situation, it would probably be necessary for Israel to give up this conquered territory because to hold on to it will only exacerbate the tensions and deepen the bitterness of Arabs. And this was in 1967, guys. 1967, Dr. King said this. He died, you know, or was killed, murdered, assassinated. Um, I want to say the correct language around that because he just didn't die. He was murdered um, the next year in 1968. Um so to really have him see the outcomes of what would have uh, taken place from what happened actually in 1967 
And for those who might not know what happened in 1967, in the mother, it's the, the Jones, it's the Garrison, I'm sorry, the Garrison article. I'm going to share this with you guys too. And it's from a uh, news source called Mother Jones. In 1967, there was something called the Six Day War. And the Six Day War uh, actually stifled King because he his hope was to go and take Black people back to the Promised Land, basically in Israel. And it was going to be a whole um, voyage for Black people uh, to experience the Holy Land. He was going to have a Sermon on the Mount. It was going to be this amazing experience. And unfortunately, the Six Day War um, broke out. And he didn't get that opportunity to do it because he was concerned of the safety, obviously, of those. So it was canceled. Um, but from the Six-Day War, this is where this particular quote is coming from. Um, and I'll read this particular um, paragraph from the Mother Jones article that's written by Garrison. It says, as Martin Kramer reveals in his book, The War on Terror... This series of unfortunately timed events would lead King to come under pressure to take a public stance on the Six-Day War. He would, on um, June 18, 1967, on ABC's Issues and Answers, uh, King said it would probably be necessary for Israel to give up the territory it had con conquered to allay the bitterness of Arab Arabs. And then I, I read the quote to you guys. Um... Israel launched that six-day war against Egypt, Syria, and Jordan. Uh, and the hope was to gain territory. Um, um, it killed a lot of people. They killed around 800 uh, Israelis, but it killed thousands of Arab people um, during this war. Um, the actual outcome of this, uh, it actually gave Israel the opportunity to take over uh, the seas of, of the Gaza Strip, I'm reading this here, West Bank and the Sinai, Pensil the Sinai Pensil Peninsula. I can't talk, y'all. Uh, but he eventually they returned Sinai to Egypt after a peace treaty was signed in 79. Um, and this, in this article, they give you hyperlinks where you can actually click on to learn more about the six day war and even the peace treaty that was signed in 1979, where Sinai was given back to Egypt. Um, but I wanted to point this out because I wanted people to one, realize that what is happening in our world is nothing new. Like this has been going on. All this has been going on during King's time, before King's time, and even to now. And we have an understanding of where Martin Luther King stood at that time. And I saw something the other day where it said that Martin Luther King, actually Cornell West, who I love, if you haven't had the opportunity to see any um, footage from the March on Washington that took place on Saturday, uh, September, uh, September, what was it, September, Saturday, January 13th of this year, 2024. He spoke before the march 
was such a beautiful speech. Um, if I can find it somewhere, I'll share it in the show notes as well. But he basically said that if MLK were alive, his birthday this year, 2024, he would have been 95 years old. And to know that this man's life was taken prematurely, he was murdered prematurely, in my opinion. Um, what changes would have actually taken place, not only for Black people, but for oppressed people across the world? Who knows what would have happened? Who knows where we would be? But here we are, right? Making assumptions of where <laughs> MLK stood as it related to oppression. And regardless of where you want to take this conversation in terms of arguing that you think he was truly for the uh, Israelis, he would have just been solely on the side of Palestinians. I feel that his calling and his work and his mission was to find solutions for the oppressed, to point out the injustices of the of the oppressed and to make take a stance on freeing and liberating those that are oppressed. And so when we see the apartheid that's happening in Palestine, when we see the occupation that's taking place in Palestine, wh- how would you argue in my, and this is just coming from Alicia, how would you argue that King would be anywhere but with the Palestinian people? I, I, I don't think that he would be anywhere else but in support of the Palestinian people and their cause to want liberation and to want to live freely and not in occupation. I could see him, in my mind, I could see him having and showing support to Israelis that are in support of peace, that are in support of justice, that are in support of living harmoniously in the Palestinian world. I could see him advocating for the support and the safety and the security of Jewish people all across the world. But I could also see him calling out the Israeli government and the Zionists that are continuing to perpetuate hate, terror, fear, scarcity into the minds of those that are continuing to push that agenda. I think we have to continue to educate ourselves, especially those who are spewing hate on Jewish people. Um, Educate yourselves on the difference between Jewish people and Zionists. And know that anti-Semitism is the cause of ignorance. Those that are truly anti-Semitic are ignorant to what is happening and to what was really going on in regards to the safety and security of Jewish people. Jewish people, like any people, 
deserve to live free, deserve to have love and joy and happiness and not be oppressed and not feel threatened as well. And so I think it's us continuing to educate ourselves, continuing to learn and grow in this process as we continue on in this thing called humanity, because we're all human. And I feel like MLK would be on the side of humanity. Because at the end of the day, we're all human. And sometimes some humans need to be called out on their inhumane ways. Doesn't mean that there's, you know, that you're going to be completely ostracized from whatever. But it's just like with anything. If something's wrong, call it out. Lead with love, but call it out. Right? Um, So on this day, as we continue to celebrate the life and legacy of Martin Luther King, I encourage you to learn more. Really take the time and not just take people's word and really investigate who this man was and where he was um, as it related to the injustices of those that um, have been marginalized and continue to be marginalized um, across the globe. I hope y'all are doing well. I love y'all and continue the fight of justice, continue the fight of spreading love and joy and light because it is so needed at this time. Peace and love to you and your families and I'll see y'all next week. It's Alicia, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Eatery Podcast. Y'all, I am so grateful that you keep coming back to listen to these amazing episodes. And if this is your first time, welcome. Please, if you have not already, rate and review the podcast. Share some of the podcast episodes with those you love. And y'all, let's just keep on keeping on. I love y'all. And I'll see you next week.